Retro Rebel is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. My name is Stacy, and with me, as always, is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. So, how are things? <laughs> you had been talking about this for a while, so uh, so explain a little bit about how that has changed your life for the best. Yeah, so uh, now uh, all the EA Play games are now part of Microsoft Xbox's Game Pass service. So that means all your favorite sports games, plus The Sims 4 and some other titles. So I've been playing Sims 4 all week long uh, i've been going for my my big achievements um and yeah it, it's it's crazy that i can play it now for free for the same price that i was playing standard uh xbox game pass before now you got a bunch of new high-end titles in there and that also includes the brand new star wars jedi fallen order which is still very expensive in stores it's now free right. to play on Game Pass. So I really can't complain about the value of it because it is supreme value. No, it is. And I always wait for something like the other shoe to drop with EA. So the fact that these are good things coming from them, it's kind of hard to believe. I'm sure that there's a catch. You've given away like a firstborn or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but... It's it's in there. It's in the fine print. Yeah. No. I mean, I I wanted to play Jedi Fallen Order, but I really couldn't rationalize the the cost of it. You know. Um, right. Right. And I it turns out I waited just long enough to be able to get it for free. And yes. I'm not mad about that. Well, and I haven't finished it, so um, I'm kind of in the same boat, <laughs> and I'm one of the people who's uh, I bought it on two systems, so I'm the worst. I actually have it on both systems. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so what have you been playing? Uh, Well, that's what I've been playing. So I've been playing The Sims 4 uh, all week long. I've been still trying to get the triple achievement, which has a 1% chance per pregnancy to uh, drop. It is extremely hard to get. I have all of the additional buffs that I can get on the base game, which isn't many, to be fair. Um, and I've probably had a hundred pregnancies and still have not gotten triplets. So what is this? Oh, so triplets is the thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's just going for triplets, uh, natural born triplets. Um, but in the meantime, since I've been trying to do that with my main character, I've used it as an opportunity to unlock several rare achievements for max profession career lines. So I maxed out uh, the culinary career line, the secret agent career line, and the athlete career line. All of those are high value achievements and fairly rare. So um, I have been getting achievements, just not the one I've been going for. <laughs> Well, that seems. What do you do with all the babies that you that aren't triplets? Oh, it's kind of sad, you know. <sighs> so, <laughs> basically, and this is going to make me sound like a serial killer, but you know, when you're grinding an achievement, you do stuff that seems wrong, but it's for the higher purpose of trying to get the achievement. So, well, of course, I don't know that there's any way this can be explained, but keep going. So. Essentially, <laughs> I have a room with three baby cribs in it, yeah, and oh, until yeah. the birth, the room has a door. After the birth, the room ceases to have a door. <laughs> oh, 
Um, and after about three days, the crying infants get taken away by Child Protective Services. Now, I don't know how they get in there to get them because there's no door. <laughs> but every there's but, no door. It's it yeah. is uh, as it should be. Um, it's all like you said for the purposes of a uh, of the achievement. Um, thank goodness those aren't like implemented uh, in any other facet of our lives outside. Yeah, of and I don't want anybody to think that I think that is okay. It is, of course, not okay. But like, it's <laughs> this it's is the not most okay. expedient way to get the achievement because the the fact of the matter is is that you would have to spend all of your time aging up the children and moving them out to their own homes at like your own expense and in game time. And it's really, who's got time. Yeah, for that? It's really not worth it though. Like if you, if you think about it, like it's not like they die, they just get taken away by child's protective services and someone else looks after them. So I like to think that this is the, the fastest way for all of these other parents in the Sims that can't have children. That they get children this way, you know. That's that's just yeah, how. Yeah, I I'm, I'm performing a public service, so my character I, I think has probably right. had like a hundred pregnancies now. So this is the most controversial episode we've ever we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. I had a harem for a while, but that was too stressful yeah. to manage because yeah. like they would fight with each other like argue and get jealous right. and i was like oh this is i can't be having this in my video game look this is too stressful this is real life stuff i don't need this so i don't yeah. need this so now now it's right. just your traditional husband and wife scenario it's just the downside is that every week or so child protective services comes to take away a new set of single or twin children <laughs> right right fair enough, fair enough. okay so, I know it's awful. Sorry. Well, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> the things you have to do for achievements. I mean, if they didn't want you to do that, they wouldn't have put that achievement in there. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how you would do it without intent. Do you know? You like you'd have to be really lucky to roll a one percent chance on like your three uh, attempts right. in a Sims life. Right. Exactly. So I. Yeah. I, there are a lot of um, – I think there are a lot of achievements, and I think that's got to go up there at the top of some of the oddest achievements, uh, you know, rare achievements, those difficult-to-achieve things that in gaming that, that is just – that you, you don't find anywhere outside of gaming, really. You know, that there's not an experience that you'd have like that. Like, there are mounts and things like that in, in Warcraft that have a 1% chance drop. And, uh, you know, and, and so the whatever you have to do to figure out how to make that work to where you can farm yeah. it. I mean, there's just no, no other way. Of like, it, listen, you know? we all know, like, grinding achievements is just, I just think it's quite a weird achievement to put in the game. Because I, aside from purchasing around 70 pounds worth of expansion packs, there's no way to make this process any faster. So it's essentially, you know, right. they they want me to get all the kids taken away from child protective <laughs> services. Like that's what they want me to do. That's I agree. So, I could I know. could not agree more. But the, um, that's so, not a real life thing. Don't come for me. Yeah, it's just a video game. <laughs> Chill out, people. Don't at her. Absolutely. Well, um, the truth of the matter is, this is a re-recording of an episode that um, that where the sound jacked up, and so. Uh, what I was playing then uh, is actually, sadly, not much different than what it is now. So <laughs> I knew it. I was, I was frustrated because Cyberpunk was delayed back then, and I'm still frustrated about that. Uh, only in that I would like to have been able to play it sooner. Not frustrated at at a C CD Projekt Red or anybody else. Uh, involved in the game, thinking that it required more time in the oven and needed needed to be, uh, you know, refined a bit more or whatever. Uh, I'm just more disappointed. I won't necessarily get to play it when I'd like to. Um, but I'm not mad at all that that we have to wait uh, per se. And 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 it gives me a chance. Actually, I'll be playing Warcraft and Shadowlands, which by the time this is uh, released, Shadowlands comes out five days later. So the actual expansion will have already been out. Uh, and right now they have released the pre-patch stuff, all of the um, 
pre-patch stuff is is live now, and uh, there are dailies that you can do, and and at this point, I've actually caught up. I've got five max level characters <laughs> at this oh, wow. point, and five different classes, uh, both factions. I've got I've got two, at least two max level characters in both factions, and I started. I rolled a hunter. Uh, a Coltiran hunter, and for anybody that plays, that may will make more sense. Uh, the new race or the new allied race, Coltirans. That is maybe one of my favorite characters that I've rolled so far. Um, and I always knew hunters were a little bit easier, but I didn't realize like how easy hunters are to play. And um, I mean, just rolling your face on the keyboard. I'm, I haven't had any trouble, and I haven't died mm-hmm. ever. And I'm like twenty, level twenty-seven or level. Wow, and no deaths. Twenty-eight, well I think. No deaths. Yeah, uh, with a pet, it makes it pretty easy. Um, at least as a hunter, I mean, you're you're pretty OP. Uh, at least initially, uh, level fifty now is max. So I've still got a little ways to go, but um, I've probably been playing for about three or four hours <laughs> with that character. And uh, anyway, it's been a lot of fun. I'm still enjoying the game. In fact, I'm a lot more motivated to play right now. And with Shadowlands coming up, I think that's a good sign, at least that I'll have something to do for the near uh, future. Miles, uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man game released as well, though. So I'm actually, I really would like to play that. Um, there's some good some good games coming in hot right at the end of the year that, that uh, will have to be considered, if possible, uh, for the, you know, our games of the year uh, episode. But I don't know that I'll be able to get to all of them. <laughs> It's a lot, a lot to do uh, in the meantime. So, but yeah, so that's it. So we got news. I've got we have news from before that I don't think's relative uh, anymore necessarily. I think all that's kind of old news now. But uh, do you have any new new news? I, because I have, I a few. have some new news, and I have an old news, but it's new still news. relevant, I believe. Uh, so the new news is basically a public service announcement from Microsoft. It says, uh, fellow vapors, don't blow vape smoke into your Xbox Series X. <laughs> it's always relative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, always relevant. I mean, yeah. I didn't know we had to say it. They didn't know they had to say it. But apparently we have to say it. Uh, listen, blowing any sort of concentrated foreign substance into hardware is a terrible idea. Uh, it's not a funny joke. It apparently caused some customer service concerns and some reduced sales forecasts and things because people thought that it was catching on fire. It wasn't. It was just stupid people blowing vape smoke into their Xbox. So, like, don't do that. It's not good for your Xbox. And it's not good for Microsoft. And uh, so stop it. <laughs> not good. Not yeah, good. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. New that, news. That's... That's my new news. My old news is um, we spoke about in the unreleased and uh, archived footage uh, that Phil Spinter uh, was actually comfortable discussing the idea of bringing the Game Pass service to other consoles, which uh, right. last time we spoke about this, you know, I think it's a great idea, especially now that I've experienced the new EA partnership. I really think that Game Pass is now inexorably the superior streaming and uh cloud catalog service um and they they're claiming market share on mobile they're claiming market share on on uh, pc and they're not opposed to bringing the service across to competitors like nintendo or like the ps5 and I think that would probably help those fan bases, to be honest, because they would get a much superior product. So that is slightly old news, but I just think it's still such a good idea. Right. That uh, Right. No, I think it bears repeating. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've got some, uh, some Microsoft news to piggyback on top of that. So uh, I know that it was recently said that, uh, you know, Bethesda... Uh, Bethesda actually, and I think this was reported by PC Gamer, will not necessarily make their games exclusive to Xbox. Uh, even though Microsoft bought them, they're not necessarily going to make their games exclusive to Xbox. However, they do want to make the superior version of the game exclusive only to Xbox. So, 
for a company that that Microsoft purchased, I think that that's a, I think that's noble. I guess I don't know if that's the right word. The fact that they still want to allow their games to be published on other consoles, uh, but you know, for those that have an Xbox, they're going to get the superior version. That allows you to at least get the experience. You know, especially for someone you know like you that doesn't necessarily have a PlayStation. Um, and can't enjoy some of those exclusives, uh, you know, something like this where they're releasing uh, some some of the best games out on, on any system, uh, regardless of the platform, you'd still be able to enjoy it. So I think that's pretty cool that they're, uh, that they're talking about doing that. Um, and then uh, I've got a couple other uh, bits of news. Did you have any nope, other news it. before no, I... All right. Well, PC Gamer actually uh, reported all three of these stories. Um, so they recorded, or they reported the Microsoft story, and the next one was uh, a, they released an image on N Seven Day, which was yesterday as a recording of this. Um, but uh, so I guess Tuesday of this week, since this will be released uh, later this week. So um, <clears throat> Bioware released new artwork. Uh, from the new mass, from what will be the new Mass Effect. So uh, basically, it just showed that there is a Mass Effect uh, being developed right now. Very little to be excited about, other than I mean, just the idea that there's another one to play. So that's pretty cool. Uh, if you are a fan, um, I know that we talked about this uh, years ago. Now I guess it's been years now since Andromeda was released. Uh, that, uh, you know, even though that one was not received as well and definitely came out really buggy and in need of a number of patches, uh, ended up being a decent game. It definitely did not hold up to the standard that Mass Effect uh, created. But uh, uh, but nonetheless, um, a, a franchise that I think a lot of fans are still very excited about. And uh, that's news that I think uh, fans of the series um, can get excited about. So. And then lastly, uh, PC Gamer also announced uh, this change. Uh, Hearthstone released in the past week. Hearthstone released a tavern pass for gold. Oh. It's a gold pass. Tavern pass. Ooh, it's so, so many extra money so grabbing opportunities. Well, it is. It absolutely is. And so uh, this is effectively a game pass or a season pass for... Hearthstone. But you already pay for now, the card you, packs. Like, what is this? You, you, and you don't have to. That's the thing. This is supposed to be a free-to-play game uh, that you can achieve and earn in-game currency to at least be competitive. With this, they have made it effectively impossible to be competitive in the game without paying money. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that's the model that they had been going to. I think... I don't have confirmation on this, but a lot of the higher-ups that went on to create their own gaming company together from Blizzard that left to create their own uh, gaming company, um, I think they have seen some of these business practices, and I don't think this is the direction that they looked or were interested in going. And so, anyway, all that to say is it's not just hearsay that this gold pass is bad for the game. Uh, there are guys much smarter than me. Uh, that have run the numbers in different uh, in in different spreadsheets, and so there's a uh, there's a professional gamer that goes by or professional Hearthstone player and gamer that goes by the handle uh, Kriparian that said uh, basically in a in a bulleted statement on Twitter he said that ladder players were supposed to get the same or more gold than before when compared to the prior system. So if you were playing this game before, you should have been getting, uh, theoretically, based on this new uh, tier system and this new pass, you should be, even if you didn't buy the pass, they sh they were supposedly reworking the numbers to where you'd be getting more gold now than you would have otherwise without paying anything. And after running some of the numbers and putting them into spreadsheets and formulas and math, math. <laughs> Magic later, yeah, and math. Um, you're actually getting less gold per time invested now than you were. Of course you are. If you don't, of anything. course you are. Right. Does that surprise anybody? Like, 
it shouldn't surprise anybody, but it, you know, I personally stopped playing uh, Hearthstone and paying any money for Hearthstone over a year ago. And I haven't actually logged in in a few months. And, and after seeing this and, and, and realizing how the game had passed me by after not playing for a few months, the meta had already changed, all of the dust that I had to create cards, um, you know, I ended up in accidentally wasting it on building cards that I couldn't even use anymore. Oh. And so I was like, man, I yeah, I mean, you couldn't use them in the in the new ranked uh, games. And so I was like, well, I don't I don't really want to. I don't want to do all that over again and 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 try to build another deck. So after seeing this and seeing that the they're they're making the entry point so much higher and it much more difficult for anybody trying to get into the game now to really be competitive that it's really not worth it. And you know, I can't tell gamers what to do. Uh you know, I can't make you do something, but this is pretty flagrant by Blizzard and they're they're inching their way towards I just see the writing on the wall in terms of of me being a part and, and a fanboy of, of Blizzard and and that I, that's the the clock is ticking. I just I think they're going to put something in Warcraft before it's over with. That's going to be the the death knell, no pun intended, for me. Where I'm just not going to play anymore. I, I you know I already pay monthly for this game. I don't necessarily if they put anything like this in. Uh, yeah, it would be the end for me. So, but anyway, that's my news, and that's not a necessarily positive one to end on. Eh. But um, yeah, it's twenty twenty. Yeah, but it's news. What do we expect? That's right. <laughs> You're gonna get uh mostly good sandwich. <laughs> um, but that brings us to our main topic, which is a positive yeah. one. And uh, we we began last time, and 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 though it didn't. It didn't uh, record. Uh, we're going to re-record what we are thankful for, and we're going to couple. We're going to add a couple uh, or two topics together so that we have a little bit longer topic. But um, I think it's just it's a it's a month to be thankful, and there are a lot of things to be thankful if you're a gamer. Thankful for if you're a gamer, and in and in going back and looking at this topic, I actually think I changed. Uh, I've changed what I was going to say anyway. Oh. So this will be a completely new. Uh, a, a new thing, new uh, list for me to to go over anyway. Oh, so. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, by way of introduction, so we've got a two part series, um, and we're going to be thanking the consoles, the developers, and the games that have been a big part of our life leading up to Thanksgiving. So we're chunking consoles and developers together because those tend to be smaller lists, and then that'll give us a full episode to talk about games that we're thankful for. Right. Yeah, fabulous. So shall we start with consoles that we're thankful for? Absolutely. Lovely jubbly. How many do you have? Oh gosh. Uh one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, Okay, good. Yeah, I think I had five or six last time. I've got five. Okay, that's fine. Well then you go first because I've got left. Sweet. Okay. Well, um I think we both had this one. Uh, but it's still I would say it's still the GOAT. Mm. Probably the GOAT. It's uh, the original Nintendo. I am thankful for the original Nintendo. It is not the first game console that I owned, but it's really the f- it's the first one that I was completely enamored with. It was the one that, that um, when I f- first experienced playing it, it completely... I was... I was... I don't know... Um, I don't know how to describe it necessarily. I mean, you you saw something for the first time that it blew my mind, honestly. The idea that, uh, and it had so many good games at that time. And and even though the games that I think I was watching, because my first experience was at a sleepover. I was at a friend's house for a birthday party, and and one of the friends had brought it. And it was like, I've got to have that. You know, I don't know what (laughs) I'm going to have to do as a kid uh, to, to beg my parents, but I've got to have... Uh, a Nintendo, and uh, you know, I was fortunate. I, I didn't get it then, but I got it a few years later when it was, or a couple years later when Mike Tyson's Punch Out came out. And the rest is history. I just have so many memories growing up playing couch co-op games, and and uh, it was my first introduction to some of the games we'll talk about uh, 
you know, like in, with some of these developers. But my love for role playing games came from the Nintendo. Um, my, you know, my my love for Nintendo, which has spanned pretty much most of my life, has come from the original console. So the 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 original Nintendo, special place in my heart, one of the greatest systems ever, in my opinion. Yeah, listen, but I'm not a Nintendo fanboy, but I've got a second that. It's the first one on my list, but it's more for specific gaming memories. And my uncle used to come around to my grandma's house. He had a Nintendo. He would hook it up and me and, you know, all the aunts and uncles and the cousins would take turn playing Mario and Duck Hunt. And, you know, at that point, none of us really owned consoles at home. So it was quite a unusual and delightful experience to share, you know, with family gaming, which was all quite new to all of us. Um, and it, it right. kind of, you know, brought everybody together. So even though uh, Nintendo isn't my favorite hardware um, creator, um, it still has a place in my heart in the past. So. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, that I think that's that's fair. You know, you didn't necessarily have to be a a Nintendo fan or fanboy or fangirl to to really appreciate the Nintendo. Yeah, no, it had you know it had good classic games, you know, and it it was about family fun and I uh, kind of about that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. So before I think I went with a Super Nintendo or something like that afterwards. And I really, I, I loved the Super Nintendo. But the more I got to thinking about it, the more I thought how that console really just was a continuation of the Nintendo for me. It it it, it was bigger and better, but it, it didn't have that impact. That that ser- that one game or so that, that stood out and said, man, this is, this is kind of like a benchmark in my life or, or like in terms of gaming, something that really stood out as a, as a pivotal moment or a point. And the more I got to thinking about it, this not really underrated system, but a system that probably doesn't get as much credit for some of the quality games that it has will be the next one on my list. I'm actually really thankful for the Sega CD. Sega. It's in the game. See, cause it kind of couples <laughs> the Sega Genesis as well as, uh, the CD, but there's one game in particular. This is in my top five all-time favorite games, and that's Dark Wizard. Uh, one of my first articles I ever wrote on this site was uh, about some of, you know, some of the more underrated games, and this was one of those games that was a system seller for me. Like I didn't even realize because uh, Sewer Shark and Night Trap and some of those other, uh, you know, those. Full motion video I love games. it. You're just saying like words. I know Night Trap is like <laughs> the home invasion one, babysitting. One, yeah, one. yeah. I, that actually has like a story to it, and it's not just about a girl sleepover where aliens come and, so and you have weird. to. It's very. I weird. mean, I think I would probably um, enjoy it. To be fair, like some nostalgia or something, but I'm. I never. Right. I see. I never got to interact with any of those at the time. <laughs> Sewer Shark was great. I mean, Sewer Shark was a lot of fun. If you've never played it, which Sewer Shark or Night Trap? I'm sorry, just the idea that there are sharks in the sewers. No, thank you. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't sharks in the sewers. It was kind of worse. It was like these mutated rats and bats and oh, other God. things. And and so basically, it was an FMV game as well, where you were in the cockpit of this sewer shark that's what it is and so you're going through the sewer and you're trying to shoot all these rats and other things and you've got to navigate your way through and uh, as you do you go up and rank based on whoever like your your call sign continues to get better it starts out as like i can't remember like uh, dog meat i think is your first name and then you as you do better he calls you something else and which is not as is more flattering i don't know that it's good wow but it's more flattering and then you work your way up. So um, that's that's kind of the that's the basic premise of it. But basically there's a oh man, it's so hard to explain this and make it sound like it's a good game. Uh, yeah, it sounds awful. Uh, you, have this, you know what? Just you have go a, back to the Sega. Just go back to safe territory. 
<laughs> Sewer Shark's good. You should play it. Uh, Dark Wizard, on the other hand, though, is an RPG that I think um, anybody who's a fan of role-playing games would enjoy. It's a uh, you have four different characters that you can choose from, and each one of them has a different and a different uh, type of uh, a different type of army uh, and different different. Um, different armies that you can choose from. So like uh, you can be like a, like let's say there's a warrior, but the warrior has certain, certain, um, certain warriors that they can choose. So that you, you may have uh, priests or berserkers or whatever. You have like different classes of warriors based on which of the four characters you pick. And you have different, like the, the there's a vampire character that has a lot of undead armies. You have a, kind of a more paladin character that has a lot of like holy armies. So you can have both sides of the spectrum and each one of the characters has their own story. So as you're, as you're uh, going through the, the campaign, all four of the stories overlap. Right. So to actually get the full story, you have to play all four of the characters. And so it's, it's a pretty good game. Uh, it was not just to me. It's not just a pretty good game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's one that I've actually tried to find emulators for to play because you can't just get a Sega CD, uh, and or they're hard to find anyway, where they're functioning. But it's one of those games that I continue to go back to. I loved the music. I loved the story. Um, I do think that it still has replay value. It's not necessarily for everyone as a role playing game in that. Each one of the characters and your and your your uh, armies, let's say you can have up to twenty five different characters in your army. Each one of them can be named. When you go through the campaign and you start the campaign against another, like you versus another uh, computer based character, they're in one castle, you're in the other castle, and everything is hexagonal. So you're just bringing out one character at a time onto the playing field or the battlefield. Kind of like chess, only it's there are hexagons. Right. Have you ever played anything like that? It's like ogre tactics or something like yeah. that. And then you have to move them across the board to the other, to the other side, and take out all their armies, and then take out the leader, and then, then you're done. So it's a little bit like uh, tabletop gaming. It's a little slower paced. So if you're not a fan of that type of game, you probably wouldn't enjoy it. But if you do like that kind of stuff, then you would. Sega CD. Sega CD. Okay. Show. All right. All right. Well, it's funny because now I sound like a Nintendo fangirl, but I'm not because my next one is the we SNES. Flip, we flipped roles. Yeah. Uh, the SNES was the first console that I actually owned. My cousin gave it to me. It was the first console in my room. Do you know? Like, so for that. It has right. like a place for me. And, you know, Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Leia was in the slave costume. There was a jump animation. It was great. DNL, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was the most exciting thing on my TV for many years. So, um, you know, I'm not a huge Nintendo fan, and there won't be any more Nintendo on my list because I sort of aged out of it in a lot of ways. Um, right. Because I do think that they are shooting for a younger, more youthful demographic. And that's just not really my vibe. Um, but that being said, like, I might pick up a Switch or something like that in the future. Maybe, you know, for the portability factor. But yeah, so SNES, SNES is my next one. Simply because it was my first console that I ever like properly owned and, and had in my room and had access to on a regular basis. So for that, it deserves my thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Super Nintendo for sure. I mean, and Super Nintendo was where my love for Blizzard came about just because of uh, another underrated game, uh, The Lost Vikings. Ooh. One of those games where you have... Uh, three characters on, and each one of the characters on the screen has their own strength that they can, you know, and you have to fizzle. It's like a puzzle hey, platform. You opted out of choosing the SNES. You can't take it. Oh, I know. Now. It's not. Cheeky. It's not. SNES, SNES is not it. It's, it's definitely <laughs> Sega CD. Uh, my next one, though, is going to be the PlayStation 2. Oh. Um, so I kind of jumped past the PlayStation, although I had one. Um, the reason, and I. I I've had most of the consoles. I have not had all of them. I have had most of them. I've been very fortunate 
to get to play um, in you know at length most of these consoles. Uh, but the PS2 was there were a lot of games on the PS2 that I could probably list. But honestly, the reason that this is on my list is because this was the first game system that really became a staple of my entertainment system. So, like, this one was a DVD mm. player. And so I used it for everything. Mm. You know, I played games on it, uh, but but I watched, you know, tons of movies on it. It was, it was my DVD player. It was my DVD player in college. And so, uh, you know, I was... I used it all the time. Yeah. So for me, the PS2 uh, has a special place just because it had so many really, really good games, including Grand Theft Auto, Baldur's Gate 2, uh, two games that I probably spent hundreds of hours playing. But it was also my, my DVD player in college. And, and like it was it was my entertain central part of my entertainment. Then. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I think my next one has to be the original Xbox. And that was the first time that I really experienced couch co-op gaming in a big way. You know, there'd be three or four people, uh, three or four different Xboxes, multiple TVs, like in a house, all hooked up so that we could play Halo and drink loads of Mountain Dew in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a core facet of social interactions for me in high school a big part you know of what we did most of the time um you know there are games on the original xbox that i really loved you know like kotor and things like that you know there were fabulous games on there um but more so i am thankful for the camaraderie and the flexibility and everything of being able to link all this stuff together and have like you know big parties and stuff um I say big, like, you know, six people, but like you could all be playing at the Still. same time. Um, and and I thought that was really cool. You know, did did the Xbox 360 do it better in a lot of ways? Yeah. Um, but the OG Xbox was like the first one to really bring right. that PC gaming component across the living room. No, I agree. Um, and that and the. Xbox is my next one. So the PS2 and the Xbox, uh, I guess the Xbox came out right at the end of the PS2's life cycle. Mm. And, um, or kind of right in the middle of it, I guess. Uh, And I wasn't going to get an Xbox. Uh, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of Halo or or I didn't really like first person shooters. I played SOCOM on the PlayStation 2 and and, uh, I liked the clan atmosphere, but I really only liked playing with people I knew. And there were so many cheats on SOCOM that uh, it wasn't even really fun. I mean, they could shoot you through obstacles. It wasn't fun. But when KOTOR came out, it was another one of those like Dark Wizard that it was like, I, I really just need to play it. That, to me, is worth the the price of the console. And I got it as a, as a birthday gift, um, and and uh, I still have played that game probably more than I've played any other game. Uh, I've played it more times and uh, gone through the campaign. Uh, I've, it's one of the few games that I feel like I've, before achievements, I've I kind of platinumed or I maxed out all the achievements. I got everything. Yeah. You know? I did everything you could do in that game, and that was one of the first games I ever did that with. And so uh, both KOTOR 1 and 2 and, but were, were the reason why that ge- that system stood out so much to me. But, I mean, I, I really loved uh, Ninja Gaiden or mm. Gaiden. Gaiden? Mm. Ninja Gaiden? Um, the The – reboot or revamp whatever it was i mean i played it in the in, on nintendo and i played it in the arcades back in the 80s and 90s but uh the challenge of that particular game uh was fantastic and, and a, a great addition to that console and then also i did kind of like halo uh i did enjoy i wasn't very good at it but i did like playing it and and i played everyone up to a certain point i think uh uh the fall of re or Halo Reach mm. was the last one that I actually right. played. Uh, but but on the Xbox, um, Halo was such a solid game and such a ga- solid gaming experience. I don't know that there was... Uh, I don't know that I played a, a bad game, actually, on Xbox. But uh, KOTOR was, was really the, 
the game that solidified that console as one of my favorites, one of the things that I'm definitely thankful for. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the, the original Xbox was really good, and uh, it was also really reliable, which I can't say for the Xbox 360, which is the next one on my list. <laughs> uh, I experienced the Red Ring of Death. Almost everybody did. That was, yeah, that was a big shame for the console because it was very beautiful at the time. I had a Kinect. The things that the Kinect could do filled you with quite a bit of promise of what the future of gaming would be. And bizarrely enough, as much as I love the Xbox One, it, it has actually gone a bit backwards. Um, in fact, features right. that worked on the Xbox 360 like Snap were removed for the Xbox One. The Xbox 360 was the first time that the Xbox became my entertainment device. And a lot of things about it were really innovative because you could be playing a game and if you had a big enough TV, you could snap half the screen for a, a TV show for your partner to watch at the same time. And you, that was actually really convenient. Um, you know, I had moved to England uh, in the latter part of that generation, you know, small apartment living, only had one TV, you know, you can't really dominate for hours at a time. So like the snap feature was really helpful, things like that. And um, the 360 and the PS3 were both the generation of the rock band Guitar Hero games, which I think were incredibly innovative, um, a brand new medium in simulation games um, and uh, peripherals and I mean, hours of fun. I don't think that I have just ruthlessly enjoyed a game as much as rock band. Like at no point did it feel like a struggle or a grind, <laughs> you know, like it was just good fun right. all of the time. So that's why despite the many failings of the 360 from a hardware perspective, I still got to put it on the list of, as a game that I'm thankful for. Yeah, the 360 was good. Uh, I really, I really did appreciate the 360. I appreciated the PS3, um, although I didn't have as many games on the PS3, and and uh, it, it to me it wasn't as memorable. My last one that I'm thankful for, and and I didn't put PC gaming on here because I really think that that I didn't know that it was necessarily included, although I or, or I. I don't know if it's in the same category. I mean, it's not a console. Otherwise, so we're literally keeping right. it to consoles. Don't you try to right. change the definition on me, Mister. <laughs> uh, because otherwise, it would absolutely be on here. But my my last console that I'm thankful for is uh, the PS4. Um, the Xbox One, I I I had or I have, and um, although I've enjoyed it and I've enjoyed the Game Pass, there have been a few games that that I can play on either one. Xbox or PlayStation, uh, that that just lend to me choosing the PS4 it, because of the exclusives. It's the exclusives that are on the PS4 and what I've gotten from those and how high of a quality and enjoyable of an experience those those exclusives have been. Uh, so from The Last of Us 1 and 2, and, and I, I kind of throw The Last of Us 1 on there just because it was at the tail end of the PS3 but it came with the PS4. Yeah, I feel like most people so played it on PS4 as well. Right. A lot of people did. And so P, uh, so Last of Us 1 and 2, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and Ghost of Tsushima just this year. You had God of War last year. Um, there, have been a, there have been a number, probably as many as any previous console, of many games that I've just truly loved that are in my top favorite games of all time. That have been on that that console, and uh, which is that's pretty remarkable to me that you'd have that many games. And and I know that it's it's hard to kind of separate those games being released so uh, so much more recently than other games that that would be on this list. So they're kind of fresh in my mind. But I I'm trying to compare to the time I've invested in other games and how much I enjoyed those experiences where it was a type of game that I just didn't want to put down. You know, it's one that and, and games like that just don't catch my attention anymore. Not like that. And there were a ton of them on PlayStation 4. So, yeah, like PlayStation 4.
No, to be fair, I've actually spent some time around a PS4 recently, and there are a lot of like good qualities about it. I have to say, though, like the learning curve between the two controllers is bigger than you might think just because the toggle placement is completely different. And it, you know, once you have muscle memory for a certain sort of controller layout, it is a lot harder. I mean, a lot harder to get used to it. And I don't personally enjoy the launching sort of layout. It's to me too much like somebody who uses tons of folders on their smartphone. Um, (laughs) and that's not how i choose to do things so for me my last one is the xbox one and that's because it is incredibly robust there have been almost no problems with it from a hardware perspective it's a very capable sole entertainment device it can keep a game on standby and you know run um, plenty of other apps for entertainment you know consistently at the same time um you get seamless hopping back and forth which I really enjoy and the apps that are supported for it cover my range of entertainment needs, but more so than anything else. I think the game pass on Xbox one is the strongest market innovation to happen in the last five years in terms of, you know, gaming advancements, you know, it really does deliver a good value for money and and an excellent experience. So for that, you know, that's why I have to be thankful for the Xbox One. And time will tell if I'll be thankful for the Xbox Series X. But the Xbox One is such a solid piece of hardware that I'm actually not in any rush to replace it. Um, I'll give it a little while, see how things sort of shake out with the Series X and then make a decision, really. Yeah. No, I I think PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, those were both very solid consoles. Um, I think that they, PS3, PlayStation learned from the previous console war, or whatever you want to call it, and uh, Xbox improved on the the hardware, and uh, the red ring of death was not an issue. (laughs) It was not. (laughs) It was not. So uh, I guess that brings us to our list of developers that we're thankful for, which, uh, at least on my part, is a much smaller list for me. I've got... uh, one, two, three, four, five um, developers, but I really wanted to be quite selective about developers that I feel like made an impact on me, not just through the game, but also themselves. Um, So that's sort of how I made my decision. How many do you have for your list? And I guess that brings us to our the second phase of our topic, which is uh, developers that we're thankful for. And uh, I I think we're we have about the same number. So uh, this time, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. So um, firstly, and most relevantly, I am thankful for CG Project Red for the excellent Witcher games. I've played all but the very first one. Um, the first one I believe was just on PC. But I have played I The Witcher so, yeah. 2 and 3, um, as well as the Gwent minigame. And I'm really looking forward to the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077, which everything I've seen on it, it just looks stunning. And I think they're a studio doing some pretty cool stuff and being more ethical than most. Um Sure, they could be better. I think everybody could be better. But I think that they are setting a standard for what is acceptable in terms of paid overtime and bonusing and general company culture seems to be improved over other players in the industry. So that's my first one. CD Projekt Red. Nice. Okay. I think that's a good one. Um, in no particular order, I guess I, I'm going to go with Naughty Dog first. Um, Naughty Dog I'm thankful for because of, uh, the last of a series, but also a series that's sometimes I guess is overshadowed at this point because of controversy or, or just, um, maybe because it's not as in the forefront of people's minds and that's the Uncharted series. I've played all the Uncharted games. 
every single one of those games is quality. It's it's enjoyable. Nathan Drake is a homicidal maniac that <laughs> has killed thousands, tens of thousands of people. But um, uh, you know the voice acting and the overarching story is is so good in in the Uncharted games, and it ended on such a great note in Uncharted Four. That was that was such a good narrative experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Highly recommend to anybody. Um, just to to play it because it plays out like a relatively long movie, like twelve hour, fourteen hour movie, but it does play out like a movie. And even in the downtime when you're driving from one place to the next, this is not like loading banter. You know, like sometimes when the people will have a conversation in a, in a static position because mm. you know you're you're loading. You're just in a jeep driving across from one place to the next. So you're actually actively taking part in the game, and they will be discussing something. You know, they'll have – it's pushing the narrative forward. And I think stuff like that, little touches like that from the fourth game were really neat and and kind of just really drew you into the experience. Uh, but between those, all four of those games and uh, the Last of Us series, um, I mean, there's there's all – every single one of those is a home run to me. Mm. So. Yeah, and not a lot of not a lot of companies can say that they've got that many top quality uh, games game releases. You know, so. yeah, that's true, and you know, polarizing game releases for better or worse. Like people had opinions for better or worse. Yeah, so oh, that, for for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I've actually like watched The Last of Us one as like a whole movie, and I can you know I can generally see the appeal of it. Um, I haven't I haven't played the Watchers of Us too, although I have watched some of the gameplay and things like that, and we've discussed the game in detail in an episode as well. Um, but yeah, yes, we I have. Think Naughty Dog's definitely a, a decent studio to be thankful for. You know, do are there some uh, concerns? Of course, there are, but it doesn't mean that they aren't there making are. good artwork. So, um, right, I think that's okay. All right, so the next one for me uh, is probably a much lesser known studio for most people it's cryptic studios and they're the people behind city of heroes and villains which was a big part of my college formative college years um (laughs) they it not only was the game amazing and immersive but they were very accessible as a studio to the loyal fan base I worked directly with their head of community engagement on a few projects, you know, while I was playing the game um, as like a volunteer community ambassador sort of role. But to be able to get to able to work directly with a studio for a game that you love a lot in order to put on in-game events and drive change and share just general commentary from the user base and things like that was, was really special. It's a shame that uh, city of heroes and villas doesn't exist anymore. And that cryptic studios is sort of all but faded into uh, obscurity. Um, I think they might've gotten bought out by NCSoft. I'm not, I'm not certain, but they're not, they're not really around anymore, but they were a, a big part of my, early 2000s sort of life and lifestyle so they they deserve a place in my <laughs> no that's they should i think any game that's uh, such a high quality game that dominates a, a large portion of our lives makes an impression i think that's worthy of uh including on this list um for me again not not in any particular order um I'm going to put Activision Blizzard on here. I only put Activision on there because I have to, because they're a part of Blizzard. Um, Not because I condone their business practices, but Blizzard's been, I've been a fan of Blizzard games since, like I said earlier in the Lost Vikings. And I didn't even really, I didn't know that they were the same company that came out with uh, Warcraft. So from, because those two games are so different. Lost Vikings is is a puzzle action platformer and then um and then warcraft is a you know is a real-time strategy game and that was the first real-time strategy game i ever played and and from that point uh it my love for that particular game is the only reason i ever got into mmos 
because the, the, the first MMO I ever played was Warcraft, and I've really not looked back since then. I've played others, mm. but I really haven't enjoyed them as much as I did uh, Warcraft. And, it's, and it has everything to do with the fact that I had a background in that world. I knew those characters, and I kind of wanted to see you know, what, would be, what would be the continuation of that story from Warcraft 3. Um, and, uh, I didn't have that in any other series. I, I wasn't really big into Morrowind or, or the Elder Scrolls. And so that MMO didn't really appeal to me. Um, you know, the only other one that, that I had any interest in was, uh, the Star Wars, the Old Republic. And that's because of how much I enjoy Star Wars. So, mm. um, Activision Blizzard, I've played since vanilla. So 16 years just in Warcraft alone. So... Definitely substantial part of my life and formative years in my young, uh, early, later adult <laughs> years. Um, but uh, definitely one that I'm I'm thankful for the game. Not really thankful for the way that they conduct business, but I can't I can't control that so much. I, I do enjoy the game though. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. You know, I did play World of Warcraft for a while. I played Hearthstone for a while. Uh, that you know, there are Blizzard yeah. games that I enjoy. The only reason that it, they're not on my list is because uh, I really didn't play them for a very long time, and I didn't feel much allegiance while I was playing them. So right. that's why I sort of left them off. The rest of the developers on this list, I pretty much play everything they make. Um, and that's probably because of the circles that they operate in. Uh which is your fantasy RPG sort of realms and, and everything they make appeals to me. Um, so the first one sort of from that swathe is Bethesda. Now, aside from 2018, 2019, which was a very bad two year period for Bethesda, um, right. but, you know, Fallout 76 was awful. It just, it, you know, I've played it now and I don't think that it's the worst, but they've patched it so many times and they've really tried to improve it. But there was just continuous bad coverage calling me out about it. However, prior to that, Bethesda could do no wrong. You know, their games were right. solid, uh, admittedly, you know, buggy, but solid in terms of story, fun, um, like with a good ambiance. You know, I especially love the fallouts, but I played many titles from them. Um, and so anything with the Bethesda logo on it was pretty much a guaranteed day one purchase for me. Um, and that to me is a sign of a studio with a reliable level of quality. Now things have dipped recently and I'm going to acknowledge that of course, but I would say the Bethesda from pre 2018 was fairly infallible in terms of the type of content that they churned out. So that's why they're the next one on my list. Nice. Um, Bethesda's a good selection, a good choice. Uh, so far, I think we've, um, we're batting a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't disagree with any of those, even though I didn't play City of Heroes. Um, I'm going to uh, go with Bioware for me next, but I, not for the same reasons necessarily that you did or you would. Um, because I know that you enjoy some of their games. Um, I am not a, as big a fan of the Dragon Age games, but I am a big fan of the ones, the, the, the narrative role-playing games that came before Dragon Age and even before Mass Effect. But Mass Effect's a huge, that series is huge uh, for me. KOTOR 1 mm -hmm. and 2, and even uh, one of the less, less known, I guess, uh, Jade Empire. I played that as well, Which yeah. came out... Jade Empire. So Jade Empire uh, just kind of continued that idea of, of, you know, selecting your character, your choices, choices making a difference in kind of how your character was perceived by others. And, and, you know, the whole renegade paragon idea, dark, dark side, light side, uh, you kind of got to continue that with in a completely different area, a completely different um, mythological universe. And, in, in, you know, in, in a in a in an alternative uh, China. You know, so I thought that was really pretty cool. Um, I've never, you, you know, companies don't really do stuff like that anymore. Like just come out with a completely new IP where, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of uh, a lot of either 
reboots of of old IPs or uh, you know or or just a sequel. Mm. So BioWare has a pedigree. They've they've really rarely misstepped. Uh, you know they 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 haven't done everything perfect, but they are definitely one of the top companies and one of the companies that I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed their product. So. Yeah, same. Look, they're on my list too. We knew that they were going to be um, for the same reason that Bethesda's <laughs> on my list. Now they have had an oopsie with Mass Effect Andromeda, but they did patch it. They did fix it. And regardless of the graphical errors, that story slapped, you know, and that's one thing that right. you can come to Bioware for and you can get a story with real characters that feels like it has some gravitas, some real consequences, um, they're not afraid to anger people with the directions that they take stories, you know, which which I sort of like. Um, and they step away from a cookie quarter, a cookie cutter sort of style, like the way Dragon Age plays and the way Mass Effect plays is quite different. That if you didn't know that it was Bioware, the only giveaway would be that the story is excellent. You know, they, they are quite right. different in terms of UI and how they play and, you know, that sort of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to second Bioware. Like, I think you can even forget like Mass Effect Andromeda is a problem because they fixed it so rapidly and the story was still solid. Right. No, I agree. And that would bring me to my last uh, choice, which would be... Um... I did I did save this one for last just because I think it was the it's not necessarily the best of these companies but it is one that I think has had some one of the most or the most probably most influential impact gaming wise on me and and my choices in gaming and that's Square Enix or Square as it was beforehand Squeenix um you know, from the original Square, uh, you know, the story of Square by itself is is pretty interesting and how they even got into uh, Final Fantasy and, and uh, sending Final Fantasy over the, to the States thinking that, you know, the United States really wasn't ready for a, a JRPG. And, and, uh, and you know, it, it, it was well received. And, and uh, the, for me, the rest is history. I went from Final Fantasy... One, uh, two, three, and 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 then once they released the actual two, three, and four from uh, and two, three, and five, I think from uh, Japan, I tried to get all of them. You know, I enjoyed every one all the way up to Final Fantasy nine. I played Final Fantasy ten, and I think that was on the PlayStation two, and then they transitioned to uh, you know kind of a, a they went in a different direction with the story and stuff like that. But from there. And that original Final Fantasy, that was what really started my love for role-playing games and, and that whole world of, of, you know, starting a character, choosing your class, all of the tropes and the, and the mechanics of role-playing games that I would come to love and, and apply in, in all of my favorite games from that point forward started with Square Enix and, and playing Final Fantasy. So the original Final Fantasy special place in my heart with the Nintendo and, and the company as a whole, I'm, you know, I've been a huge fan of their, of their back catalog. So Square Enix, one of my favorites and definitely one I'm thinking. Good old Squeenix. Well, the last one on my list that I'm thankful for is Lionhead Studios for the Fable Saga, but also for Peter Molyneux. I mean, bless his little heart. The man can sell you anything. And for the longest time, like he definitely had us on the edge of our seats. Now his star has gotten tarnished a little bit in recent years with lots of overpromising and then just literally no game appearing. Um, but I think what they achieved with the Fable games, and hopefully what they're going to achieve with the new Fable game coming out for next gens, um, was a truly memorable uh, choice making experience. You know, it, it, there right. was real gravitas. The consequences were immediate. You know, uh, the look and feel of the game reacted. And it was one of the first games to really, in my opinion, drive that home in a believable way. Uh, I remember coming into a town and everyone giving me gifts and celebrating that I was there because I was great. <laughs> and like that that feels good and and um he's still responsible you know lionhead's still responsible for some of my most memorable quotes in gaming um it's 
it's just, I think, a great example of a studio that's still willing to dream, not just chase profits, but try to actually do something different and innovative. Um, they haven't done a whole lot recently, but I'm hoping that that time away will deliver us a new Fable game in 2021 that absolutely kills it. I never personally had an issue with Peter Molyneux or any of the promises that he made in his games, but I've never really had a, I didn't put a lot of stock in what they said anyway about a game that hadn't even been made yet. You know, I've never really done that. (laughs) I actually really enjoyed his enthusiasm at every single one of the game conferences that he was at, where he would be telling you about the things that they were going to do in these games. And I am quite sure that he went into those meetings and (laughs) said, this is what we're going to do in these games without knowing whether they were even possible. You know, without even knowing if those things were going to be um, possible to put into the game. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed those se- that series of games. I have very fond memories of playing all of the Fables. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's another good one. I, I guess I hadn't even thought about Lionhead. I, I wouldn't have added it to mine anyway, but that is a good one for sure. Yeah. So do you feel overcome with thankfulness? Because I do. Like, I feel quite positive. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good way to end. Uh, with so much bad news in general. So, fantastic. Well, I hope you all are as thankful as we are after hearing all that. So, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.